Welcome to a turning point, a hinge point in the story of the early Christian church. Up until now, we've heard a lot about Peter, James, and John. Uh, this is in the book of Acts, and we've heard a lot about their actions and about the way that Christianity moved with this group. But in chapter 9, we're introduced to a character who's not entirely new. We met him just earlier at the end of chapter 7, uh, beginning of verse 8. It's a very awkward chapter break, frankly. Uh, and again, God didn't do that. Humans made the chapter breaks. But anyway, this character, we've learned uh, just a little bit about that he was approving of the stoning to death of Stephen, that he was the one that they uh, laid their garments in front of for him to, to guard or to uh, care for as they did the work. But we don't know that much about him. Now, you and I know a great deal about him, but we know him by his other name, Paul, the Apostle Paul. At this stage, he's not known as Paul. He's known as Saul and Saul of Tarsus, not an apostle at all, but somebody who does not approve of Christ and does not approve of any who approve of him and to the point where the scripture says he drug men, women, and children out of their homes and jailed them. And yes, <clears throat> you could throw an entire family into prison with um, including babies that were still nursing. And you'd, you'd throw them right into the room with all the ruffians, the rapists, the murderers, the, the mentally ill, anybody else you wanted to throw in there. And it was literally hell on earth. That's who Saul of Tarsus was. And when we meet him in chapter nine, he's on his way to do more, to spread this destruction of the Christian church to, uh, to new cities. Now, leaving Jerusalem, let it spread out, let it become a movement, then he is the head of that movement. But then something happens to him. And we who are church people know the story. We're gonna look at the story, but just be aware that it is here where a lot of historians and some theologians agree with them, they begin to step back and go, wait a minute, did Paul convert? And then was he led by the Holy Spirit to make the church grow in a more orderly way with rules and structure? Or was Paul, did he convert at all? That's a question and a separate one, whether or not he converted did his work shut down the Jesus movement and make it the Paul movement? And there are a lot of books, a lot of works have been done on this for literally hundreds of years. Uh, and one of the books in my library, which is rather short, but it, it's a fine book, is Jesus I have loved, but Paul? And there's a question mark there. And spoiler alert, the writer of that book actually does love Paul, but it's not always easy. So here we have introduced a problematic character who may very well be 100% entirely from God, but the way this moves, it had this done in any other way, uh, rather in any other situation, all of us would have stepped back and gone, what, uh, are we sure? I'm convinced of Paul's conversion and I'm convinced that Paul did his best to spread the message of Christ, and I believe that the Holy Spirit guided him in doing so. But I don't believe he was ever perfect, just as I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. 
There was not a, spe a special class of beings where God produced perfect books through imperfect people. He used who we are, where we are, and what we're seeing. And by the way, you might be thinking that that's a very progressive, dangerous way to look at scripture, but it's actually not progressive at all. David Lipscomb, uh, way back there, and if you are in the Churches of Christ, the Independent Christian Churches, or Disciples of Christ, you certainly know that name. And Lipscomb University, an amazing university in Nashville, Tennessee, is named after him. David Lipscomb himself said that Paul was a man who was trying to apply the teaching of Jesus in the different circumstances in which he found himself, in the different cultures, in the different cities in which he found himself. And David Lipscomb expected no perfection there and in fact said that when Paul confuses him, he goes back to Christ and just reads what Christ had to say about the matter. By the way, I think Paul would have heartily approved of that. But let's meet him. <clears throat> but he's not Paul yet. His name is Saul. And yes, the name changes were very common back then, uh, so that should not throw us. Meanwhile, <clears throat> meanwhile, Peter's out preaching, I'm sorry, Philip is out preaching. He is and his daughters as well, and they are spreading the gospel. But meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now, just a quick word. This could have been translated a different way. The breathing out murderous threats, I think, is a very good translation. But sometimes when we use the word disciples, it's a church word that people don't really get. <clears throat> this would have been just as easy and just as accurate to say, breathing out murderous threats against any who followed the Lord. Because the word disciple just means a follower, one who has taken Jesus as their rabbi and who are uh, their savior, the Messiah, yes, but they're following him. So Saul is breathing out murderous threats and he is leading the charge. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, and that was one of the earliest names for the Christians, the way. There have been some uh, several denominations and a couple of cults that have used that in recent years, uh, which is sad because I think it's a great, great name. <clears throat> if they belong to the way, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Well, because that's where the, the same court that we've seen show up several times in Acts could pronounce sentence or flog or both, uh, whoever he brings in, men, women, and yes, children. Not sure that they flog the children, um, but that don't, don't get overwhelmed by their humanity because they still threw them in prison until they died. Uh, disease and cholera and dysentery and the like. <clears throat> As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Now, some people believe that Saul was a secret believer who was fighting it. And therefore, he was overcompensating by his beating up of Christians. Um, and one of the ways they say that is because here he says, Lord. Here's, this word is used commonly in the first century. A big light has just appeared from the sky, knocked him down. 
he is going to respond with, yes, sir. Sir, who are you, sir? Here in the South, we use sir and ma'am quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's something I can't control because I was raised in a family where sir and ma'am were required at all times. We're certainly not Southerners, but it was required. I think military and also church culture had done that to us. So uh, I would respond, sir, <clears throat> as well. I am Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. We can believe, and I, I think it has to be, that this is an abbreviated converse, uh, version of the conversation. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Just real careful now, we're going to get this story again later in Acts when Paul tells it. And he's going to say they didn't hear. Here it says they heard, but they didn't understand. I'm not afraid to point out contradictions. Uh, you know that by now, especially if you watch the Monday morning messages. That's not a contradiction. He was in a different culture, linguistic group. What it, you put them both together. In one, they heard but did not understand. In the other, they did not understand. It's You don't hear if you don't understand. Their words are different. All right. So that one's not a contradiction. Here we go. They didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. Now, before any of you go, wait a minute, you can't go 72 hours without drinking, you, you are correct. When the scripture talks about not, not eating or drinking for days, that's what it means. You would be able to take some nourishment at night. Now, the Muslims still do this for the entire month of Ramadan, even when they're working outside in construction. They don't even put gum in their mouth, nothing to swallow in their mouth until after the sun is set. And so that's what's going on here. All right. He is showing mortification. He is showing confusion. He is showing submission to whatever it was that knocked him down to the ground. In Damascus, there was a disciple, a follower named Ananias. Not the same one of a couple chapters ago, obviously. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas, not that one, on Straight Street and ask for a man named Tars uh, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. I was this may be very shocking for many of you. I was raised to believe that when a sinner prays, God does not hear them at all. And there is, to be fair, no example in scripture of a sinner's prayer to be prayed, say amen and you're saved. No example of that at all. And God does promise to hear his children. And if you limit who are the real children of God by baptism or church membership, well, then it makes all the sense in the world to say that he doesn't listen to sinners' prayers. In fact, I can remember the illustrations that were used. For, and there were even sermons called, What Would a Sinner Pray For? Forgiveness? Well, you can't get that without baptism, they'd say. He's going to pray for uh, information and enlightenment. God's not going to give you anything other than Scripture. And you, you see how the way this plays out. But here, as well as later, we're going to find when Peter makes... Uh, a return visit to the book of Acts. God not only hears the prayers, he responds 
by sending the right person at the right time. So he says, he's praying, get to him. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. In other words, I've already set this up for you, Ananias. This is not a cold call. You're not selling insurance door to door. This is somebody who called in and said, I need insurance and I need this much and I need somebody to sell it to me today. You know, this is, this is a hot prospect. He already knows your name and he knows you're coming. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. It's, um, we do that. We, we talk to God as if he had missed something. Uh, God, you're aware we need rain because we're in real trouble, crops, eating, family, finances. Or Lord, um, that, this is too much rain. We're flooding. Could you turn your wrath somewhere else? Or Lord, I got a diagnosis today that terrifies me. Um, what, what, maybe you overlooked something here? We do that, but we don't do it as directly as Ananias. And so I love Ananias. I, and by the way, be direct to God. He knows what you're thinking anyway. Wrestle it out. If you're wrestling with God, at least you're in contact with him. Go for it. He did. God said, Ananias, how dare you question me? And he fried him on the spot. Oh, no, he didn't. God responds well to our challenges, our arguments, our questions. Don't be afraid of that. He says, come, let's reason together. Let's work this out. So the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument. I picked this guy to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. In other words, he's not getting off easy, Ananias. See, that's always a concern of ours, isn't it? There was a mass murderer named Jeffrey Dahmer. And many of you are so young, you don't know that name. And I really wouldn't recommend that you look him up, but if you are like me and a data hound and you have to look up stuff, last name is D-A-H-M-E-R. Jeffrey Dahmer killed young men, especially young black men. And uh, he sexually abused them before and after killing them. And then he would dismember them and store their, uh, their meat in his refrigerator. And I'm gonna stop there, but the, what, the atrocities he committed did not stop there. He was found out, and he was of course sentenced to life in prison, where he was did not have a death penalty. If I remember correctly, that's, that's the way that went. Years later, um, Jeffrey Dahmer started attending Bible classes and he was baptized. He professed faith in Christ and was baptized, and nobody can read a heart. But from outward appearances, it looked like he repented, and he wanted to be a good person now. But people don't let it go, and he, and we understand. We're humans, we get this. And he was beaten to death in the shower of the prison by other inmates. Uh, now, right after then, I was in a, a congregation where a Bible class teacher came to me just, just kind of shaking. And I said, what, what happened? I wasn't in that class. And he said, I'd asked the adults, it was an adult class, is Jeffrey Dahmer in heaven? 
because he was baptized and he did profess belief in Christ and repentance of his sins. And he said, out of the whole group, and I, I'm going to guess 35 to 50 were in that class. He said, there wasn't anybody who thought he was. They're going, no, no, no. And he said, but he was baptized. And they're going, no, no, we just can't trust he did, he did wrong. What a human response. So I asked the teacher, can I, can I be in there next week and just have a word? And he said, yes, please. So I went in and I stood up and I posited the same question and I got pretty much the same answer. I think there were one or two that were going, maybe. The rest were going, nope, nope. And I said, here's the kicker. If uh, Brother Jeff is not in heaven, you're not going either. Oh, did it? It got quiet and then it got not quiet. <laughs> but by the end of the class, they saw the point. We are all sinners. We all need a savior. And God's telling Ananias here, don't worry. He's not going to get off because he's now stepping into the very, in front of the very firing squad he organized, he's going to suffer. Don't worry about that, Ananias. Now, should that make Ananias feel better? I don't think that was what it's for. I was thinking it was, it was really a very gentle rebuke. All of us are going to be carrying our own burdens and they're going to be awful. You, you know some of mine because I try to live very out loud. Um, even though I'm an extremely private person, sin thrives in privacy and therefore I try to lay it out before you. And you feel free in your emails as you do to lay yours before me and you know I will keep it. You know I don't broadcast it. We all have our mess and we always will. Uh, we may solve this mess, but not get it, not solve that mess. And we may get a whole new mess, but God is there and God's, God saves and God loves. So Ananias, don't worry. So Ananias went, got to give it to him, got to give it to him. This would be like coming to, to your house and saying, all right, I know that you're a first sergeant in the Marine Corps and you have a good squad of men. And if you lost some really good men, You've, you've lost a couple of, of wonderful women uh, and you, 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 you hurt, you're angry. But got news for you. Uh, Osama bin Laden's been praying to me and I want you to go talk to him about Jesus. He wants to talk to somebody about Jesus. Would you believe him? You're going, yeah? How, how would you feel? Now, if any of you right now are out there going, I would just be excited and say, thank you, Jesus, and trot in. You know, if you're not lying, and I'm just going to give it to you, that you're not lying, um, you're a different kind of human than I've met. Most of us would be going, this has got to be a trick. This has got to be a trick. This does not sound plausible. And nice goes. I don't know what kind of trepidation was in his heart, but he went. Ananias went to the house, entered it. Placing his hands on Saul. I wish we had all the story. We just don't. They, they just really cut it to the point. He said, Brother Saul. Now, why would he call him brother? Was he saved on the road? Evidently not. We're going to get to that. I think he called him brother because they were both Jews. Therefore, the chosen people of God. Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes 
and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. <coughs> now, in another telling of the story, from Paul's own lips, he says, why are you waiting? Uh, Ananias says, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. So Paul still had sins to be dealt with. And the Jewish ritual of baptism was a very natural thing to start with. You've been praying, you've been repenting, you've been fasting. Now let's eat and let's be baptized. Let's leave our sins behind us. This was not a new idea to Jews, but Jesus absolutely incorporated it into his faith community. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. I bet they were nervous. You know, is this real? Is he a spy? By the way, that happened a lot. Where Romans would send in people as uh, converts or as seekers, we might say today. And then they were really spies. And um, it turned out badly for the people who had accepted them. Rather like the um, horrific shooting of, of people who had invited this young white boy into a, um, a predominantly African-American congregation in South Carolina several years ago during a Wednesday Bible class. He pulls out a gun and kills a lot of them. That's, this has always been possible that we bring in somebody or let in somebody who then turns on us. And they had to have had that kind of thoughts in their mind. But at once he began to preach in the synagogues, just after a few days, that Jesus is the Son of God. <clears throat> Excuse me, just a little bit dry. Um, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the guy who raised havoc in Jerusalem among all those who call upon his name? Hasn't he come here to take as prisoners those people to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And again, we don't get those sermons. We wish we had that sermon. We wish we had Jesus's sermon to the two men on the road to Emmaus, where he opened up to them the scriptures and showed them everything that spoke of him. I've had Jewish friends all my life, I still do today. Uh, many of them do not accept Christ because to them, plainly, Jesus did not meet the requirements. And I'll go back through the Old Testament, and I think he did, and they'll say, no, he didn't. And it breaks my heart. I'm a little frustrated. I don't know how, what else I can do. It would have been very handy to have Paul's outlines at this point. The great atheist, Antony Flew, was by far the leading atheist of the last century. Uh, he, however, in his 70s, I think, maybe his 80s, came to a faith in God. Now, I, I don't believe he came to a faith in Jesus as the Son of God, but I could be wrong there. There are those who say he became a deist, uh, others who say he became a Christian, but even wrote a little book called There Is a God, and on the cover, the word not is scratched out. So originally, there is not a God and scratched out. And then the atheists all ran over to Richard Dawkins to be their new champion uh, and claimed Anthony Flew had just let, lost it, gotten too old, dementia, something. Uh, Anthony Flew brings up passages like this and says, there was so much more out there 
that was so commonly understood that they did not feel they needed to write it down, like Jesus speaking to the two men on the road to Emmaus and the sermons that Paul is preaching here. And he used that as proof that this was a much bigger, real growing thing than he'd ever given it credit for. And whenever you have somebody say, you know, there aren't that many evidences that somebody like Jesus ever lived, they've not examined what we do have that speaks to what was out there that assumes everybody already knows that stuff. We kind of wish we did. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him because he's disrupting. Now, they're not trying to kill him because they're just bad people. No. Killing Paul would have been an act of self-defense, not only for their faith, but for their family. Because if Paul starts, uh, Saul starts uh, stirring up issues, then the Romans come in. And we've talked about that a lot. And they don't care who they kill or in prison as long as the disturbance is over. So they're trying to keep the peace. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night, lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he, by the way, the people, the names of the people that supplied the basket took the risk, lowered Paul, that's never given. So be aware of this. Had they not done what they'd done, we wouldn't have had much of the New Testament. You may never get your name put up. You may never get a plaque. You may never have a, a church where you, you get to broadcast and talk to people like this. But I couldn't be here without all of the hands that hold the rope, that lower the basket. I couldn't be here. There, in fact, I wouldn't be here. I was going to leave ministry entirely 18 months ago, but people rallied on the day and said, no, we'll carry you and you'll never know their names. They wrote big checks, they suffered. They went without, you'll never know their names. And in fact, so many came in that to this day, I am certain that I failed to thank probably dozens. It breaks my heart. I can't find a way to trace the names, but they held the ropes. So never be afraid to do what looks like small work because you might be changing the course of the world. All right, sermon over. Not really. Uh, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. I get that. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples. He told him how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he'd preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Where, where does he go? Oh, we're going to find out, late, out later. But he's not going to be a force in the next couple of stories because he needs to go away for a while. He needs to be taught. 
and he's going to be taught by God. We're going to find all of that as we go through, but that's later. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this story. This, we actually have some more time, but I don't want to rush into the next set of stories because Peter's coming back and they're really Peter at work and I want to give him his due. So next week, we'll pick it up here at Acts chapter 9 and verse 32. If you have questions, my personal email is patrick at OurSafeHarbor.com. Please go to OurSafeHarbor.com website. Play around with it. That inter interactive map is worth the trip. It's so much fun to look at and play with. And if there's not a, a check on your city, um, that means you've not checked in. So you can check in with comments here, uh, comments on the worship uh, while it's going on Sunday, or in the comments underneath the worship and our YouTube channel. All of those links are available at OurSafeHarbor.com. God bless you. Please subscribe. Let us know you're out there. Thank you for holding the ropes.